Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. I gotta tell you, listeners, after 137 episodes, it is a challenge to find topics that I've never covered before. But, you know, I'm trying to bring education to the masses here. So I found a topic that I've never covered before and found an expert. And she's going to help us sort through some of the ways that you can play with electricity in the bedroom. Excuse me, you may hear me. Um, I'm sick again. I actually caught COVID this time. Uh, Last month after my DC trip, I just got a little cold, but this time after a trip to Sex Down South to Atlanta, I got COVID for the first time, so bear with me on the intro. AJ Shafitz is both a sex therapist as well as a kink and BDSM educator. She's in the DC area, but she does practice in multiple states, and if you do one of her online workshops, doesn't matter where you're at. Workshops uh, fall under a little bit of a different category than therapy. AJ taught me all about a uh, item I have been wanting to add to my collection. It's called the Violet Wand. Violet in the color, in that it's the color that it lights up. AJ gave me some really great information about care, such as cleaning, safety protocols, you know, how to not break it, things like that. If you have been a BDSM or kink practitioner for a while and you've been playing with different things that, you know, give you those stingy or those thuddy sensations and you're looking for something a little bit more interesting, this could be something for you to try. But we did also talk about something, which is this idea that some people think that kink practitioners or people who practice BDSM have to just go more and more and more extreme in their playtime in order to have some semblance of satisfaction. So I asked AJ her opinion about this, not only as someone who is a longtime practitioner, but someone who sees people professionally day in and day out who are into these sorts of things. So if that is a question you've ever considered and it's held you back from trying something, hopefully our conversation can help dispel that myth. I gotta say, it's been a while since uh, I've gotten to have a guest on here who really got me excited about trying something new, but boy, let me tell you... Uh, yeah, my, my excitement was rather palpable through some sections of this episode. I hope you learn something new as well. This episode is not to convince you that you need to try the violet wand or any other equivalent items. Maybe this episode is just going to help you learn some new information and you may finish it going, yep, cool, nice to know, but not for me. Or it may, may just happened to unlock something new within something you didn't know might be you know titillating or exciting or you know give you something new to add to the bucket list so thanks to me having covid i did have to reschedule my workshop that i had on september 18th that is now going to be october 2nd that is ask me out how to approach them for a date 
I am really sorry for any inconvenience it may have caused, but hey, maybe there's some folks out there now who can attend who could not otherwise. So tickets are still on sale Sunday, October 2nd from 2 to 5. This three-hour long workshop is going to be me and another coach, and she specializes in improv and communication. So the two of us together, we are going to help people learn a skill that seems to be a lost art these days. You know, too many people say that they end up messaging back and forth endlessly, or they're just like twiddling their thumbs, wondering why this other person has not asked them out. So we are going to practice various ways to approach people for a date, either in person or online, ways that will help you feel more confident, ways that will help you, you know, showcase who you are in that moment, put your best foot forward, you know, all those good things. But also, you know, learn how to take a no gracefully. Uh, you know, learn to modify your dating profile or your approach on dating apps. We're going to cover a lot of different bases that will hopefully help anyone who attends feel a lot more comfortable with the idea of asking out either their crush or that person they connected with online or that cutie that they saw when they were out and about. Tickets are through Eventbrite. It is $100 and it's going to be completely worth it for this three hour long workshop. You get two coaches. I mean, a session with me for one hour is over $100. So it's a value. And, you know, you can learn so much in a group workshop setting. You don't want to miss this one. Me and Anna are an absolute blast. You will love learning from us. So hope to see you there. Check the show notes for a link, or you can go to any of my social media channels and find the link in my bio and get your tickets there. Okay, I think I've said enough. Please do enjoy this episode about the Violet Wand Electric Feel with AJ Chaffetz. All right, well, as you heard on my last episode, I recently went to the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Conference, and oh my gosh, I had an amazing time. I met a lot of wonderful educators that are out there too, therapists, coaches, people in nonprofits, all sorts of things. So today I have invited AJ Chaffetz, who is a sex therapist, as well as a BDSM educator, and they are practicing in the DC area since just before the pandemic. Now she's been a BDSM and kink educator for a lot longer than that. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Talking about this stuff is my jam. So <laughs> I'm always happy to, to have a conversation about it. Yeah, sometimes my shows are a little more vanilla. They're more about communication or, you know, someone wrote a book or something. But yeah, Listen, today it's going to be a little juicier. Those those are also really important, right? Like kink is kink is not the only way to have an interesting or really wonderful and fulfilling sex life. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have found it really rewarding where I am here in Kansas city to, to be able to educate people a little bit more about some of the nuances with kink and BDSM. Um, cause man, there's, there's definitely some misconceptions out there about <laughs> even just how it ties into our sexuality or that yeah. it always involves sex. And that's just not true. Yeah. 
that that may be in the running for the understatement of the year. <laughs> there, there are some there are some misconceptions about BDSM. Absolutely, absolutely. So thank you for doing the good work out there in the world educating folks. Thank so you too. <laughs> so AJ, how did you get your start as an educator? Was it like eight years ago? You said. Yeah, just about eight, eight years ago. So I basically had, I kind of got involved with the kink community as quickly as I could once I turned 18, right? When I was legally allowed to be there, I was there. And um, so it's, it's like always been a huge part of my life and my personal life. And, um, you know, I, I was very hesitant to start teaching because I wanted to just really make sure that I was going to be in a position where I could give decent information and, and make sure that, you know, that I felt like I was going to be able to kind of pass on some knowledge that might be worth having. And um, so it was probably almost eight or nine years after being pretty heavily, like after being really heavily involved in the community that I even started doing any education. And that was really mostly from a, from a kind of a personal perspective and things about what I had learned and about a lot of um, agency and advocacy as a bottom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had like na- navigated a lot of a lot of different things, including like lots of clubs and play partners and things like that. And really loved talking about how bottoms can have their own agency and really advocate for themselves and get what they want out of scenes and and things like that. And really be able to, to understand and set their own boundaries. And that was really where I started. And then I also started by teaching a class called bottoming for the violet wand. Ooh. which was one of, is still one of my favorite classes to teach. And the reason I started that is because I, I knew lots of folks who had had really not great first experiences with electrical play, specifically mm. wand. And I realized that is one of those things where there's not a great like home analog, right? At home, you can pick up like a spatula and, you know, figure out if you like stingy, mm. you, can, you know, you can find stuff to figure out if you like thuddy you can find clothespins you can really there's lots of things you can find at home that are like decent analogs for figuring out like what you like about kink mm-hmm. and I don't suggest sticking your finger in electrical socket so there's <laughs> what? Not, like, right not that fun um, so there's not really like a great way to kind of say like going into this here's how I know what I'm gonna like or mm. not like valid point so I, yeah, so it was, so I was like, okay, this seems like a class that's worth doing. So a lot of it is just like safety stuff. How do you, how do you vet someone? Like, how do you look out for their safety protocols and practices? How do you make sure you're feeling comfortable with them? Just some knowledge about the wand. I'm a, I'm a big believer in like knowing how to kind of use the things that might be used on you, mm-hmm. um, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't spot safe. If you like, don't know what safe yeah. looks like, how are you going to be able to spot unsafe? Such a good point, especially something like this or especially rope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, that's, that's really important to me. So this is a chance for, for folks um, to, to come in, to learn some about the wand, to learn a little bit about, uh, you know, how to kind of vet and look at tops safety. And then we talk about um, and feel a lot of things and like attachments for the violet wand mm-hmm. so that so that people can start 
saying like, oh, maybe I haven't seen this particular attachment, but I know why it might feel a certain way. Mm. Uh, and kind of talking about that. So people can really kind of advocate a little more for, for what they want out of a scene and like really get their, their best experience. So awesome. that was, <laughs> that was kind of where I really first started. And then as I continued to grow and, um, develop different kinds of relationships within kink and things like that. And then started working in the mental health field. A lot of my classes started kind of encompassing those things. And then I also um, do speak outside of the kink field or the kink community mm -hmm. to kind of other professionals. So whether that's mental health professionals or kind of in the, the like nursing or medical realm, just about kink and about kind of destigmatizing and like, <sighs> Hey, here's, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That, that's something I have thought about doing here more often is reaching out to doctors, nurses, groups, things like that, to help them understand you're not kink is not abuse. Mm -hmm. you know, how do you distinguish? How do you ask questions to help you understand more about the situation? She can best be there for that patient who maybe that bruise is there for a reason. They didn't mm -hmm. get struck without permission. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and there is right. And this is a this is a challenge in many different realms. But like, I know plenty of kinksters who have put off medical appointments because they have markings, mm -hmm. um, right? And that's that's not great, right? We don't we don't want people, um, you know, delaying medical care. And so yeah. I think having education on on the medical side and the professional side as well as right saying hey how are how are ways or here are ways that you can kind of communicate to your doctor or let them know ahead of time or like you know so when i go in if if there's a chance i say you know hey i have a note in my file i'm in a consensual kink relationship and you may see bruises or marks on me that are completely consensual and totally okay if you have any questions i'm happy to answer them like i tend to say that before i take off any of my clothes that is not something I had really considered that much before about, I guess I'd always thought about how do I approach doctors or nurses or talk to them, but yeah, we do need to do a good job of educating our clients that have, you know, certain kinks about how to confidently talk to their doctor and yeah, you know, what do they do if it's not taken well? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I fully realize, right. I, I am very lucky. I am out in my professional life and, you know, my, my kink world knows what I do for a living, right? Like I am very out in all spaces and, um, and have a lot of practice just talking about this. So, right. It's, it's a, it may be a very different thing for me to say that to my doctor than for somebody in a, like, right in a small conservative town who may, you know, know people in a different way or have kind of different social connections to their doctor and may not want them. Yeah. Yeah. Very valid. So you've mentioned an item that I have been curious about for a while. Yes. And I'm sure the listeners are also going, what was she talking about with this yeah. violet? Now, violet being the color, not violent one, violet yes. one. <laughs> this color. Yeah, this is a, a product that you can use for electrical play. Now, again, uh, people are going, well, wait, what's electrical play? So <laughs> yes, you can absolutely use electricity in different ways to produce certain sensations that for some people feel pleasurable. 
Um, I do myself have a device. I've never actually used it. I might need to get some advice from you, but I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So tell, <laughs> tell us what the violet wand is. Sure. So um, violet wand is kind of, like you said, it's, it's under the umbrella of electrical play. And electrical play can include a lot of different things, right? So it can include kind of e-stim things or things like shock devices mm-hmm. or zappers. Mm-hmm. Like you may have seen those in porn. They're little like red pointy ones that do a little uh, like zap. Mm-hmm. Um, not like cattle that, prodders, although like maybe there's well, people that you know, like that. People, but... may, people may, may, yeah, that, that would absolutely fall under it, right? Like stun guns would fall under it. Um, things like that. And um, also things like TENS units are, mm-hmm. are really popular. And then there is also Violet Wand. And Violet Wand kind of is often its own big category. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is, it, it looks, I'm trying to figure out how to describe it. It kind of looks to me like you can certainly Google it, right? And you'll be able to find lots of lots of examples of what it looks like. It looks a little bit like to me, like the like an electric toothbrush without the brush head, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a little bit bigger. It's a little bit wider. It's a little bit bigger. So like kind of that that conical plastic. Usually they have a plastic outside of casing mm-hmm. uh, with you know, and then it tapers a little bit at one end, mm-hmm. roughly eight-ish inches tall. And then obviously, you know, they plug into the wall. And so they have a cord coming out of one side. And then at the opposite end, you insert what we call electrodes. Mm -hmm. So kind of like taking the toothbrush head off and you're putting on different kinds of heads to it. Yeah. Um, So what's actually happening inside of that casing is essentially a modified Tesla coil. Mm -hmm. what it, it does is so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I, I, I'm an electrical geek, so I'm really mm-hmm. excited about it. Um, so essentially what it does is it uses a two-step process to essentially transform ordinary kind of electrical current that's coming out of your house, right? So like U.S. household current is um, like a low frequency alternating current. Mm-hmm. And what the, what the wand does is it transforms it into like a low current low amperage, which is one of the big key things, low current, low amperage, and then high frequency stream of electricity. Mm -hmm. And that's safe to apply to the body Mm -hmm. in a way that, right, if you just plug something else into the wall, that you get get fried. Yeah, Yeah. that's not going to be safe. So it's similar to as kind of a continuous stream of like static electric shocks, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. right? So if you touch a door handle in the winter, you may be familiar with that, but this is going to be the consensual version of that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what's happening inside that case. Gotcha. Now, there are, there are kind of two big ways that that happens. So there are two main types of wands. One is called an electrical mechanical wand and or electromechanical wand. And that is actually one that uses an electromagnetic coil hmm. inside. So it has moving parts. Okay. Side of it. It's funny because when you actually, if if you have one, um, when you're when it's standing upright, you can actually hear a change in the like power between when it's standing upright and when you kind of tip it, tip it down because they're right. Those moving parts kind of change orientation a little bit. Mm-hmm. The other kind and the more frequent kind that you tend to come across is what we call solid state, and that 
is essentially it's the same process, right? Like the, the electricity that goes in is the same and it comes out in the same way. What happens is that that internal process, instead of being a mechanical one, it's run through a circuit board essentially. Mm -hmm. So it has fewer moving parts inside, no moving parts inside. Um, it's just off of that circuit board. Those tend to be because they, you know, they don't have kind of all the little fiddly stuff in the middle um, or inside. It tends to be a little less expensive. They're kind of an easier price point. Um, if you, you know, oh. if you're not like, oh, I, I absolutely really love this and want to like get all the wands. Um, so those are, those tend to be the ones that you see a little bit more. Gotcha. They also do have a little bit more of kind of a zappy, like bitey sensation mm. where the electromechanical ones are, they, it's very weird to talk about these words with electricity because they're not really usually associated with it, <laughs> but they feel a little like smoother and thuddier in terms of like the actual zap that you mm -hmm. get. And those are two very different physical experiences, right? The, the stingy yeah. versus the thuddy. Um, mm -hmm. and that was something that I did not realize was a difference between the two. Cause I've, I've been looking for one. Um, I do have a partner that is into that and, uh, I did notice a price point difference. So I wasn't really sure what, what the difference was, but yeah. I guess I've got to talk to him and find out whether he wants the stingy stuff or he, I think he <laughs> wants the stingy stuff. He likes both. So, yeah. but he's the one paying for it. So <laughs> <laughs> No, go for the big one. Um, and the the outputs tend to be pretty similar. The um, the electromechanical ones tend to go a little bit higher. Um, I think there are some that go up to kind of 55, 58 kilovolts. And then a lot of the um, solid state ones are closer to kind of the 45, 48 kilovolts. Unless you're doing super heavy, intense electrical play, that's not going to be a big, a big, uh, a, a big noticeable difference. Mm -hmm. um, and as an aside, folks also may come across what they what they might see termed um, twilight wands or high frequency wands or things like that. Those are a similar thing, but they do have a significantly lower output. Mm -hmm. So, okay. so those will be kind of I think off the top of my head, I don't entirely remember, but I'm pretty sure more of like the twenty five to thirty five. Gotcha. And so then maybe something if you wanted to just try it out first to see if yeah. you liked it, you might start with something like that. Yeah. And then there are also, you may see like advertised, there's lots of like beauty wands. Yes. For like yeah. for your face. Right. And cause yeah. when I first Those saw these, I thought, yeah, I thought they look like what I've had used on me before at the mm -hmm. esthetician. Yeah. Um, yeah. And those are significantly less output, right? Like I don't, don't suggest trying to use your regular violet wand for that purpose. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, when you're talking about it being like a Tesla coil, if you are a child of the eighties or even early nineties, you know, the, the glass sphere that had the, you know, you could touch it and the electrodes would come off or maybe been in a museum and seen these before, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, that is, this is a miniature version of that. Yeah. And, and much higher output too. So when I'm demoing, I actually often use a globe bulb that looks like that because it, because it's like something that people kind of already, they, they like recognize it and they're like, oh, I, I have had an experience with this and it wasn't bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it was, it was relatively mild. So, so that's also a, a nice way to kind of get people in. And when I demo my, I always tell folks like my goal is never to make you like a violet one convert. 
for some people they touch it and they're like oh my god this is my thing this is what I want this is amazing sometimes people touch it and they're like that's not my jam Mm -hmm. right and my goal is that people walk away having not had a bad experience right like that's that's all I'm trying to do is that people feel this in a place where they're going to be able to like make a decision based on on their preferences versus like a negative experience yeah and I think that's one of the most important aspects about education is that our job is as you say not to convince anyone that you need to do this thing our job is to prevent present the information (laughs) and then give them all the facts help them do some analyzing and go, that is something I want to do. Or like, thanks for the info. Not for me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, I think when people often talk about kind of sex positivity, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, does that mean I'm going to feel pressured to like push myself beyond where I'm sexually comfortable, right? Like sex positivity doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, get zapped with a violet wand all over your body and then like have sex in front of lots of people right like if if that's not what you're into then sex positivity means it supports you when you say hey no that's not what I'm into absolutely so like I mentioned I do have this this toy of my own here I don't even know what this is called I'm presenting AJ uh basically it's it is a strap one strap goes around the testicles one strap goes around the shaft and there are you know, it has a, a cord attached to it and there are little metal nodes on mm-hmm. the side that would face the skin and it's got a remote control so I can turn up the intensity. Looks like I can maybe put some modes onto it, but uh, what, what would I call this thing? So I would probably personally term it like an e-stim device, ah, okay. which is a pretty, cool. right, a pretty generic name, but like it covers a lot of things like that, right? Mm-hmm. That are, are are like kind of mini shock collars essentially yeah right? it is it's totally a shock collar for his, yeah. his dick and balls <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I love it I don't recommend using actual shock collars just because they tend to be pretty um intense because they're made to go through like animal skin mm-hmm. and um, all that so, fur probably yeah yeah mm-hmm. so so I do recommend looking for something that is actually like made for humans um but oh, essentially boy. right like it's it's sending it's sending a shock through those um through those little nodules that are connected to the skin with things like this would mm-hmm. you recommend using anything to help it just make sure it has better contact or things like that so that's a great question. Um, it's going to depend a little bit on the device and on the person. Um, essentially, when you're talking about electricity and whether that's that also applies to like e-stim or things like that, or a violet wand, there is something that we call a spark gap. And that's essentially like you may have seen um, if, if you Google violet wand and you go to the, like image search, you will probably see images of like an electrode, which is like a glass, you know, a glass thing or, you know, a metal thing, whatever is in the violet wand. And then you will probably see at least one picture where somebody is holding either a finger or a nipple or a piece of a body, right? About an, a half an inch to an inch away. And you'll mm-hmm. see a little like almost miniature lightning strike mm-hmm. that's traveling between the two. That space is what we call a spark gap. Okay. 
And so that can up the intensity oh. of the feeling. Okay. Of the sensation. So a lot of times with a violet wand, people may not like that. They may want the, the contact directly on their skin. So it's a little less intense. Um, you know, there, you know, pinpoint becomes more intense. So you can put your, for instance, you can put something on them that distributes the electricity over a wider surface area, or you can use something that concentrates it into a smaller surface area. And that tends to be a little more intense. And then when you lift that off the skin and it's just that electricity, like jumping that spark gap to a single point, that's even more intense. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things that can kind of create those spark gaps. Clothes are one. So if I'm demoing, right. And somebody wants to feel what it feels like, um, to kind of feel a spark gap, I'll often ask if I can kind of touch them over their clothes because they will often feel a difference or hair on your body, right? Hair on your arm, hair on your legs, hair on your genitals, or like those will all create mini spark gaps. So in this case, right, if all of those electrodes or those little nodules inside mm-hmm. this, um, this particular Easton device are pressed fully against the skin, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll give one kind of sensation. If one or two is a little bit further away, it might be a different sensation or a little sharper. Now there are things like gels that you can use with things like TENS units, which are the the ones, the little pads, you may see them, you may see them like EMS uses them. um, Chiropractors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chiropractors. I know there's been a lot on the market recently for um, menstrual cramping. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so so those are ones that have those little pads. And a lot of times um, it's great to use the gel with the pads because it just ensures a little bit more um, kind of firm, consistent contact. Mm-hmm. I have seen some e-stim devices, rec- like people have said, hey, this works better for me when I use it with some sort of gel. Um, and some people are like, oh yeah, this is great regardless. So that is often a lot of personal preference. I, I really love reading, uh, reviews Mm -hmm. of things, right. Whether it's on the website or whether you kind of put the device name into Google and see if there are just reviews out there. Cause a lot of times those, those will be really helpful things, right? Like, oh, Hey, we loved this, but X, Y, and Z, or we loved it and definitely get a gel with that good point yeah. always read the reviews y'all always oh read the reviews are the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah well um, I want to take a quick break and there's there's a couple of things that you touched on that I, I've got some lingering questions about absolutely. so I'll look forward to asking those after the break sounds good It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. All right, back from the break. Thanks for sticking with us here on Keep Them Coming. What would happen so, if I just left? Like, yeah, right? just didn't, didn't what about you, the audience? Yeah, right? okay. <laughs> so like, what, what would you do? <laughs> I hope that people aren't turning off the episode halfway through, but you know, you never know. People, like, at least maybe if you're pushing pause, I just hope you come back. Anyway, so you mentioned a, a couple of different things. We've gone through you know, the the violet wand and you know the, the ten style stuff, and then you mentioned mm-hmm. electrodes. So tell yeah. me more about that. 
So the violet wand has part of part of the reason I love it is because it has a really wide range of outputs. Um, it can produce a tremendous number of sensations and a significant amount of that depends on what electrode you use. Okay. So remember I described it earlier. It's got, it's kind of a, a tube cord coming out of one end. There's a dial for intensity. And then the other end is a little bit of like a tapered conical shape. It's got a hole at the end and into that hole, you stick electrodes or other things. Um, like metal, like there's lots of stuff that you can okay. that essentially that is what then conducts the electricity to the body. Okay. So um, part of the reason it's called a violet wand is that these, um, the electrodes are typically what you're going to see are like glass electrodes that are filled with noble gases. Gotcha. And the most popular of those is argon, which glows violet. <sighs> Yes, sexy, right. sexy. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's partially where the name comes from. So when those gases inside of those glass electrodes get essentially like excited by that stream of electricity, they glow. So there's like neon, which is orange and red, is sometimes what you see, and then the most popular is violet, right, which is argon. So um, and those have a really wide range of sensation. The glass ones tend to be the the most mild so they're great starter ones mm. um, and those are what you're pretty much typically going to see in terms of like kits if you're looking for a violet wand kit mm -hmm. those are going to be kind of what's included um, you can use other things in there um, I definitely suggest making sure that you have a tremendous amount of experience and know know what you're doing and really know your partner and how um, how they're going to react before you start using anything kind of more intense than glass. Um, there are kind of other attachments that are made to go in the wand. Okay, cool. And so you might see, you might see ones with little like metal rakes on the end or um, pom like mylar pom-poms or like Ooh. slinkies or lots of kind of stuff right and so if you remember what we were talking about with spark gaps right mm -hmm. slinkies mylar pom-poms those are going to have a lot of little spark gaps you know moving around yeah. those are those are pretty intense and really fun um the other big thing that people love to do with a violet wand is use something that we call a body contact cable okay so what we've been talking about up to this point right is somebody holding a wand that has something stuck into it right stuck into what we call like the nose cone mm -hmm. and um then directly applying that to somebody's body mm -hmm. that's called direct play hey <laughs> what a great name yeah. and so the body contact cable allows you to do something called indirect play and that's when you are not using the wand directly the wand's electrical current is moving through somebody else. So okay. that could be through the bottom or through the person who is topping. So what happens is you put this, you plug the body cable um, into the wand, and then you put the other end of it next to your skin, right? Or next to the bottom skin. And what that essentially does is it turns your hands or fingers or anything you pick up that is conductive into the toy. It is super fun. Y'all should see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my God. I need this. Also so do it, 
yeah, you can also do it reverse. Mm-hmm. So you can electrify the bottom mm-hmm. and then you can do whatever you want. You can pick stuff up, you can drag stuff over them. Um, you can have other, right? Like that means you, if, if, right, if it's consenting, um, you can have other people come in and multiple people be touching someone. It's very cool. It's a really cool, really versatile toy. And that's, that is why it is my jam. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, I never knew that that was available with it. Yeah. Wow. It's super cool. And you You learn something new every day. folks. (laughs) You can use the violet wand with pretty much anything that is conductive. Mm. So, um, you know, like regular slinkies or shrimp deveiners or, um, you know, metal straws, or I'm just, I'm trying to think of like things that are in (laughs) my violet wand kit. I have a metal spatula. Um, yeah, metal spatulas. We have a meat tenderizer. Yep, I have a metal meat tenderizer. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's very funny. I have a few people who I know who really love like electrical massages where they're wired up and somebody's just kind of lightly tapping their shoulders with this meat tenderizer. And so it's a little bit like a, like a little electrical massage. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so for that's real. Really I, cool I might like this all for myself too, not just for <laughs> torturing him. I mean, torture yeah. him with consent, obviously y'all, but I like this. I like the stingy stuff when yeah. I am playing. Um, so my primary partner, my nesting partner and I are actually mm-hmm. quite vanilla. Mm-hmm. So, and that's more on, on his end. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do have to occasionally go out and play with others. Uh, the pandemic has inhibited that a bit. Now, I do have some questions about care. Um, How how do you, how do you keep it clean once you've used it, especially if you used any like gels or things like that? And and two, is it glass glass or is it Pyrex? It's a little less breakable. So most most wand manufacturers that I know tend to use, especially for electrodes that might be insertable. Um, And if, if that is something you want to, play with that is a kind of a 301 skill make sure that that you kind of more advanced uh yeah have the knowledge behind that and also buy something that's specifically for insertable Mm -hmm. um the the majority of glass electrodes i'm pretty sure off the top of my head i believe are often like borosilicate okay so Um, because, and, I mean, I, I have wood floors, so I'm worried about yeah. dropping this stuff. <laughs> so um, I have actually seen somebody who makes insertables drop one on purpose, essentially to, sh- to, to show like we, we are making these to, to not break inside your body. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which yes. Is great. Right. So <laughs> we like that. So um, yeah. So, so they are, because they are also glass, they're relatively easy to clean right? I, you know, tend to clean my, because I do a lot of demoing, I, I have a pretty um, strong protocol around cleaning. So I tend to clean mine with like soap and hot water and then also wipe them down with citrus too, which is like a hospital grade disinfectant. Um, but, you know, so you, you're going to clean them like any other kind of non-porous toy. And um, so the, the, I know you mentioned gel. So People tend not to use gel with violet wand okay. often, mostly because it moves it. You tend to kind of move it over the body more. You, you don't stick it in one place, right? Gotcha. The, for violet wand, the faster the movement, the less the sensation. So if you go slowly, the sensation tends to build and be more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're moving fast, 
you you tend to have a little bit of a lighter sensation. And part of the nice thing is that you can move all over the body. It is one of those things that is safe to use pretty much anywhere on the body. I tell people to stay away from the eye holes and the ear holes because those are direct squishy passages to your brain. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> other than that, right, you can use it pretty much all over the body. There are some safety things. Um, Good, right? yeah, like, let so, me know. Yeah, so like some medical conditions, right? Like heart conditions, epilepsy, right? Think Things that depend on like your body's own electrical signaling. That's something that you want to stay away from. Um, mm-hmm. Pregnancy. And even, even um, we often ask folks about just diabetes because it can diminish sensation in extremities. Mm-hmm. So just in terms of like communication, right? If, if that is something that you know is, is happening, you may want to like move or develop a different, um, you know, move, move off of that area faster or develop just a different um, method of communicating around those areas if the sensation might be diminished. Mm-hmm. You can mark the skin, you can burn with a violet wand, right? It's, it's electricity moving through you. Yeah. That has to be pretty high and pretty intense. Typically, unless you are unless you are staying in one particular place and just holding the wand there, you're not gonna get a serious, any kind of like burn or anything like that. People mm-hmm. often see little markings. They kind of look like light trails uh-huh. over their skin. And, um, and they may be itchy. They almost, they feel a little bit like a sunburn. And I always tell people oh. treat them like a sunburn because mm-hmm. that's essentially kind of what your skin is reacting to. And so you want to use things like aloe, not yeah. lotion, right? Not anything that's like lotion will trap that heat in your skin. Aloe is going to help ameliorate that. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. And then definitely things like mechanical implants, pacemakers, um, glucose monitors, insulin pumps, right? Like those are things that you're going to want to, unfortunately, not, you not. Yeah. Cause it could interfere. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, non-mechanical implants often just depend on a person's comfort level. Some, mm, so like a knee replacement or hip replacement yeah, or. Yeah. Mm, depending I thought about that. Yeah, depending on when they got them and what they are, they may or may not be made out of conductive material. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people can feel them. Sometimes people can't. Sometimes people are like, hey, let's just not, don't, just don't zap me on that arm. Like, it, that's really personal preference. Um, and that also applies to things like piercings. So a lot of times with nipple piercings, people can feel the current going through. Um, yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's a really cool <laughs> sensation. Um, and so that is, that is something that is safe to do, but you do need to make sure you're communicating about that because something like that can, can heat up a piercing. Oh, so, right. So it may get overwhelming or uncomfortable relatively quickly, depending on kind of what you're doing and how much electricity you're applying. Dang. Yeah. All these things that I just, I had not thought about. So (laughs) Yeah. And because, right. Also, because it is sparking, you want to just also use kind of the same type of protocols you would use with like fire play, right? So like not a ton of heavy lotion or hairspray or right. Mm-hmm. Things that, things that may melt like nylon stockings or something like that, really just, just kind of being aware of, mm-hmm. of um, you know, some of those things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, he has no piercings. I don't know if he's had any mechanical implants or things like that. So, but he's the one that wants to do this. So I will definitely review some of these safety protocols with him first yeah. and just do the rundown. Cause yeah. like, 
<laughs> I don't want to hurt him. Um, and except in the way that he wants to be hurt you don't you want to hurt him not harm him yes exactly exactly so thank you for all that mm-hmm. yeah you now, can tell you can tell this is my like favorite topic to talk about absolutely one of them. I, I really love it you are a plethora of information <laughs> regarding this so yes I Mm-hmm. When I get mine, I, I maybe I maybe texting you or calling you like, hey, yes. always always do that. I'm totally up for it. Now, a few myths came to mind as we were talking that I'm yeah. sure some of the audience members may have thought about. Um, and having a professional like yourself is great because I can help dispel some of those myths. Now, I think one thing that often comes up, whether it's electrical play or it's any other form of kink or BDSM. I, I have heard from people that one objection that they have is it, it's more of a worry. They worry mm-hmm. that once they start down this path of doing these things, that at a certain point, it'll no longer be satisfying that maybe they've got to keep getting more and more extreme or try all these different things. And I just, I don't find that necessarily to be true. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So I, I think that's a, I think that's a great question. I think that's a, that is definitely an anxiety that I have seen folks, you know, have or struggle with or, or wonder about. Um, I think realistically, in some cases, when people discover kink, they're like, this is my jam. I want yeah. to explore all the things. I want to try all the things, right? Like it, it, it may be a rush and something that feels really wonderful to them. And they may, they may want to continue to explore. Um, Sometimes we can see what, what kinksters often term frenzy, which is essentially when somebody gets super excited about trying all the things that they may overreach their own kind of boundaries or sometimes safety, Mm -hmm. Like they may try things that, that might be kind of too much for them or right if you're a top like overplaying your skill level yeah. or right trying things that you're kind of just not not ready for that happens realistically right so you want to just make sure that you're you're kind of slowing down and, and giving yourself time to kind of check in with yourself but often people discover that they really like one thing and that's also kind of the end of it right like they might be like hey this has really opened up this piece of my life and I'm really satisfied with that um, you know, I think whether we're talking about kink play or kink in the bedroom um, or non-kink relationships, like if we're just, if we're talking about like non-kinky sex, right, there are times where you may be like, hey, this is not feeling kind of quite as exciting as it, as it may once have been. How do we, how do we bring that back, right? Like how do we kind of get back into a different place with each other or like make things really exciting or feel more connected during this. And I think that that is something that is often where kink comes in, but that's also a pattern that can happen in kink, right? Mm-hmm. So, right, people people may have their kind of their one thing or their few things that they really like. And then when they get to that point, right, it might be about reinvigorating those kinks that they've they've already explored and like, or it may be about trying new things. So it can really go either way. I will say kink is one of those things where like you may discover that you and your partner are into different things yeah. and that's okay, right? There's, there are lots of ways, if, if you are monogamous and you are not open to playing with other people, there are lots of ways to navigate those things. 
Um, if you are open to playing with other people, right, then that's absolutely something that you may be able to explore with other people. So, and that was the next myth oh, that I kind of wanted to touch on is that people who haven't been in the, who haven't been in the community or have never played a scene often tie sex and kink together and trying to get some people to understand that like you can actually go play out a scene with someone and there's little to no sexual contact and they're like wait yeah. what I'm like yes let me tell you how um but yeah I mean have you encountered that as well oh my gosh all the time um, <laughs> so um so I only I only personally play sexually with one person Mm-hmm. Um, so that is that is definitely something there are plenty of people who only play sexually with one person um, but may play in other ways with other people right so when we were talking about for instance violet wand um it, you know until until we mentioned kind of insertable and like nipple jewelry right there wasn't there wasn't really anything that was inherently sexual about what we we're talking about right we're talking about sensations we're talking about playing with sensations we're talking about um you know it, kind of having this, this different experience of these new things, right? That's not inherently sexual. Now, right. some people, right, in that, in that situation, they may be turned on. Um, but, it, you know, A, you might be turned on, you don't need to act on that, right? That, that might be something that is just kind of not going to be a component of this. Um, or you may not be, you may just really love the sensation, right? If you think about something like flogging, there are lots of people who just love the sensation of flogging. There are also people who are like masochistic in a sexual way and get like very turned on by perhaps the pain of a flogging or a whipping or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that act in and of itself is not inherently sexual. So you can absolutely do things like that in a, in a non-sexual way. And that applies to a bunch of stuff, right? Like rope and impact play and like all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, you do not have to then have intercourse with the person who just whipped you or tied you up or any of those things that they are, they are two separate functions. And sometimes it is sexual partners who are doing these things to one another. But as you said, if there's proclivities or kinks or things that turn you on that you can't get from your partner, you may be able to navigate that conversation and then go find someone else out in the kink community where you can do those things and not yeah. have sex with that person. You still come yeah. home to your partner. Like they, yeah, they do not have to go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, they want to be involved. Right? Like they, yeah, they may want to watch, they may want to be there at the end, they may want to participate in some way that is not doing the action. Mm, like maybe right? they do like the aftercare with maybe they yeah. do the aftercare, or right, like maybe they I have seen really beautiful scenes where somebody is being um is being flogged or beaten in some sort of way. And like if you imagine a St. Andrew's cross, which is kind of an X shape. So if somebody's on on that X shape you know, with their face on it, um, and they're, they're being flogged on their back, right, your, your little face is sticking out right between the, the top of the X. I've seen some really beautiful scenes with their partner there with them, kind of like coaching them through, you know, being like, oh my god, you're doing a really good job, you're, you're doing a, right, like, it's been a very cathartic experience for them, yeah. um, and the, their partner is really sharing that with them, yeah, and so that's, that too. 
is it's so it's like absolutely lovely to see it's Mm -hmm. it's a way for a partner to be involved without actually having to like do the thing they may not feel comfortable with right like hitting someone is something that comes with a lot of feelings right Mm -hmm. we've we've been very typically kind of cultured against that so yeah you know, so it can definitely bring up a lot of things and it just might not be something that somebody kind of wants to do, which is also totally cool. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for helping me dispel those myths. (laughs) No problem. Well, we've covered so much today and I'm sure that there may still be lingering questions for people out there. And in a minute, um, AJ will definitely give her contact information, but this also leads us to our last segment, which is ask coach Kristen anything. And again, with, with you being a practicing therapist, it's a little different because, you know, lay people ask me slightly different questions than what you're probably going to ask. I don't, I don't know what you might ask, but (laughs) again, you can ask for yourself, ask for a friend, or just get my opinion as a fellow sex sexologist on something. Sure. So I, I have a question that, that I think, I feel like I probably know the answer to, but I also, but I think it's a really important kind of topic to talk about. So my question would be, can somebody coordinate care with somebody who is, who is a, like a sexuality professional, right? A sex coach, a body worker, something like that. Can they coordinate care that supplements or works with their therapy, right? If they are working with a a therapist and they also want to work with a sex coach, what does that look like? How do they, how do they kind of navigate that? Thank you for that question. Uh, I definitely have had that with some clients and it, it has, come about in different ways. Sometimes it has been that someone comes to me for coaching and through talking about something, you know, for instance, something comes up that obviously they still need to work through some trauma and I'm not that person. And there are professionals out there that help with that. So, you know, referring them out so they can, you know, maybe see them in, in tandem that they're working through that trauma. Maybe we see each other a little less for a little while while they're working through that, but Um, it doesn't mean that we have to take a break if they need to go see a therapist. And then the other side of that is sometimes people are already in therapy and are sort of adding me to the mix as a supplement. And there have been mixed cases. Sometimes I have no contact whatsoever with the therapist. You know, they, they tell the therapist their, their stuff that they're talking about with me, or sometimes they're very separate because that therapist might not actually be very comfortable talking about sex or kink. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing, right? Um, that is a whole other thing. We will <laughs> do another, another yes, episode. Of that. Yes. But yeah, uh, yeah, maybe I that will say, be your return episode. And, uh, and I have to, listen. I have also one thing I can talk about more than violet wands. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, reducing stigma amongst um, the you know psych- psychology and social work communities. Yeah. Yes. And then there's some cases where I actually do email, you know, we've signed everything, the client's given permission. And sometimes I'm just giving them basics of my notes so that that client doesn't have to then go in and repeat everything that they talked about with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I will say kind of from the therapeutic side, right. It can be really wonderful to have a client that has a space for some of these things, right? Like we're we're governed by licensure boards, right? Like there are certain things that like we can't do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not going to be able to do the same type of work 
that somebody in, in like a coaching or a body work or kind of a different modality might be able to do. And sometimes that's really important, right? Like sometimes there are, there are supplemental things that kind of really move things along, right? In the same way that, that therapy as a supplement to coaching, right? If there's kind of a trauma that feels like it's, it's a sticking point, right? As a supplement to kind of moving that work along. It's, it happens in the opposite direction as well, where it's like, hey, this, this is something where, where, you know, this might be a really great avenue for you to kind of explore some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do get to do some of the things that you can't do. Like I can go meet with my client at a local munch mm-hmm. and introduce them to people in the kink community when they, they, they don't even know where to start. And I'm just kind of like, let's go talk to this person. Cause they're a rigger and you're a rope, want to be a rope bunny or explore that. And just helping them have, you know, the, the soft intro so they don't yeah. have to walk in by themselves or FaceTiming them while they're at the store and they're trying to pick out their new toy. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I may, I may run into a client at a munch, but right, like because of, because of kind of the privacy piece, right? I can't, you know, I can't be like, hey, here's my client. They want to learn this. So it's, it's definitely a different way of kind of facilitating. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I always explain it as we're just different sides of the same coin, yeah. you know, and there, there are things that they can't do and there are things that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is sometimes that balance of figuring out where's that line and where I've got to refer out. I, I have built up a lovely referral network. Yeah. I trust all the people that I uh, refer out to yeah, and great. there's a couple really, really wonderful sex therapists here in Missouri and Kansas. Oh, great. But yeah, I think that there are just, there are times where you need one or you need the other, or you need both. And mm-hmm. absolutely. So anybody listening out there, if your therapist won't talk about your sex life or you've tried to bring it up and they're avoiding the topic and you need somebody to talk to either find a sex therapist to replace them, or you maybe see both. I don't know, but maybe replace them. Can I, can I do a quick aside about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I have had a lot of clients who come, who come to me because they're right. They're seeing another therapist and they have kind of sex stuff, right? <laughs> stuff applies to a lot of different things here, mm-hmm. but there's something about their sexual life that they want to discuss. And for whatever reason, um, they feel like they kind of can't bring it up in that particular therapeutic space, right? Yeah. Most of the therapists that I talk to, they're like, oh my God, if my client brought up sex stuff, I would be like totally fine with it. And, like really happy to talk about them. But sometimes on the client side, it's like, I don't feel like I can bring this up. It feels weird. It feels like we've got, we have like a different relationship. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, right, you may see a sex therapist in conjunction with that. Um, and a lot of times with, with those clients, what one of our goals are is to like how to stop seeing me, right? How do we, how do we kind of get you to a place where like this feels like something you can then take into that space so you can have really kind of holistic therapy with that particular therapist. Um, so that is always something that, that you can kind of do in conjunction um, with therapy, right? Like you may have a great relationship with that therapist and just be struggling with this one particular yeah. thing. That's, that's definitely a, a, a great time to kind of come see a sex therapist and see if we can kind of bring that into that space for you. Hell yes. Integration can be beautiful. Yes. <laughs> well, AJ, how can the people find you? I mean, I have listeners all over. So if you are, let them know like where you're licensed and just all your social media, all that stuff. 
Sure. I am terrible about social media. Um, however, the practice that I work for, which is the Pincus Center, um, is wonderful. They've got some great social media. And so that's, that's worth following. And um, I am licensed in Maryland, Virginia, DC, and New York State. So if people are physically in those places, that is, that is who I can see. Um, I, I tend to have a, a little bit of a waiting list. So but you're always welcome to reach out to me. Um, the website for our practice is tamarapincus.com. T-A-M-A-R-A-P-I-N-C-U-S.com. And there's a bunch of different associates. We've also got some really great classes, um, yes. which you can attend from wherever, right? You don't have to be in a state where the, where the practitioner is licensed because they are informational classes. So um, we've got some really cool ones taught by one of our sex educators about um, dating and polyamory and all kinds of, of stuff. I'm teaching some kink ones in the fall. Um, I'm teaching how to kind of integrate power exchange or DS into your everyday life, right? How to mm. move out of maybe the bedroom into kind of more everyday. Or the 24-7 if, yeah. if you're wanting that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the ones that I'm teaching. Um, I'm also teaching a class called Healthy Hurting, which is essentially about exploring um, pain play when you might have a history of self-injurious behavior or self-harm because mm. that can be a really kind of scary thing to to do of like is this going to be an okay thing for me and mm -hmm. how do I feel about this and then so that that's one of my favorite classes to teach as well and then um, I'm also teaching um, a class that is uh, essentially kind of topping for somebody who's not sure they're a top Ah. Right, so like if you're new to it if you're like I think this might be something I'm into or right you are a bottom and your partner's like hey I really want I really want to bottom to you for something and you're like hey that's something I'm willing to do right or a partner expresses a particular need or want and you're like yeah I'm I'm totally willing to do that even if it's not like my my regular role but you're like, I don't know where to start. So that's yeah. kind of, that's really kind of what this, this class is for topping for people who aren't necessarily inclined. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. So that's what I'm teaching. And then we've got a whole roster of other really great classes and some really cool therapeutic groups and all kinds of stuff. Um, and you can also sign up for the newsletter that, that gets really good, like information and blog posts and stuff like that. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being on Keep Them Coming. I would love to have you back. I'm sure there's plenty more topics that we can find. To it was about. my pleasure. I, I always appreciate chances to, to geek out about electrical stuff or, or to just, you know, kind of normalize kink. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a cool thing if it's what you're into. And Hell yeah. And yes, I appreciate some lessons that I learned today. I feel a lot more prepared to select a device um, with, you know, his input and, uh, start playing. Cool. Well, enjoy. Think of me when you're zapping away. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. First time I touch that to his balls, I'm going to be thinking about AJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can ask for. All a girl could want. Thanks for listening to keep them coming with open the doors coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. 
you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time. <laughs>